Hey, are you ready for the session today? Oh yeah, I've got some good stuff for the adventure today. I think everyone's going to really enjoy it. Ooh, about that. What? Hello, John. What was that? It's our new AI DM. You don't have to worry about running games anymore. I fed it all the data about the campaign so far, and it's ready to like completely take over so you can be a player. No, no, no. There is no way that's possible. No, really. Go on. Try it. I, I bet it can pass any test you can throw at it. Fine. AI DM, what's the name of King Rothgold's son? King Rothgold has two sons, Demetrius and Aldo. Okay, okay. Yeah, um, one of those I hadn't even told the players about yet, so uh, I, guess, I guess there's that. That's a little creepy. See? I told you, this is going to be so fun. All right, let's go kill some bandits at Werfjörgen. All right, taking control of Strategic Missile Command to launch an attack at Werfjörgen, Sweden. Wait, wait! Wouldn't you prefer to play a nice game of chess? This time on Becoming DM, we're talking about AI tools to help your DM game. Hey everyone, this is John. And this is Danielle. And I think before we start, because I I know that a lot of people come from different walks of life when they DM and have maybe different levels of background with technology and stuff like that. So I think a good place to start this conversation is really to talk about what is AI. Um, Danielle, do you mind kicking us off there? Well, when you look at AI, like the, the, the high level, I guess, is intelligence demonstrated by computers, right? Artificial intelligence. Um, and that's the ability to learn and to reason, generalize, and I, I guess infer data, right? From like data sets. Yeah. I think that last one is, is kind of interesting because I, that's in my mind where a lot of some of the things that we're doing with DM stuff is, is that inference. It's got like this pile of data that it's using to understand how things fit together. And then, and then giving us stuff from that, that it thinks fit together. And yeah, hopefully. Yeah, hopefully. (laughs) Uh, And and I think that in, in, in its, in its general sense, AI is is pretty broad and it, it goes into a lot of applications that, um, a lot of people are already using today or have heard about um, some that they aren't using today, uh, like self-driving cars. Um, if you're using Siri or Android Assistant or like Alexa, um, all of those are, are kind of using some of that AI in the back end to, to, to understand what's being said and then try and make uh, uh, an an- give an answer to you based upon some of those connections that it's making with that pile of data, right? Yeah, it definitely has some thinking to do. It's not just, it's not just, I guess, to, like, it has to have speech recognition, but then there has to be some thinking behind it, like some, some sort of processing is going on. And that processing is is uh, some some sort of artificial intelligence in some ways, I'd imagine. Yeah, because there is no I've, possible way for every single question that gets lobbed at Siri, for instance, to just have an answer that somebody was like, oh, somebody's going to say this and this will be the answer. <laughs> and maybe, maybe at the very beginning, there was some some goal to do that. And and I'm betting that somebody was like, yeah, this is not possible. We, we, have, we have to have some algorithms to figure this out so that we don't have to program every answer in. <laughs> yeah. Well, do you remember the Burger King chicken? 
the Burger King. This is it was a it was a website you could go to and you could command the chicken and it was a guy in a chicken costume. But that's what it was: is people would say stuff to it and when they got X amount of responses, they would record a video clip of this dude in this room doing stuff as a chicken. And the website was up for years. <laughs> I I. This is the first I have heard about that. <laughs> oh, it's down now. You can't go find it. I tried like a couple months ago. <laughs> but that's, you know, when you don't when you don't have AI backing something, then that's what you have to do is you have to, you know, have a bunch of people and, and various algorithms trying to figure out which questions you, you need to have an answer ready for. Yeah. And then um, other ways are, are like um, shopping recommendation engines. So if you're using Amazon and you do your shopping there and you buy certain things, then they have this algorithm on the back end that, that tries to understand what things you might buy next based upon the data they have about your purchasing and thousands of other people's purchases. And they know that if these three things are bought together, hey, I can make some general inferences that this might be the next thing you buy. Um, so that recommendation comes from from some of that AI learning. And then... Yeah, super, super helpful sometimes. Sometimes very creepy, but... <laughs> <laughs> um, the last thing that we're going to talk about, and which is really the primary focus of the rest of this episode, is what's called generative AI, or or you'll probably hear me refer to it as gen AI. Um, and and what generative AI is, is really meant to do is to generate content that looks as if a human created it. And what does that mean? There's all sorts of, of types of human-created stuff. So it could be things like um, music. I've, I've heard some AI-created music. Some of it's really bad. Some of it's actually decent. <laughs> um, you've, seen, you've probably seen some AI art floating around, uh, may, may or may not have recognized it when you saw it. But also... Um, my favorite are like the the um have you seen the the AI generated Olive Garden commercial? No. Oh, do yourself a favor and go look it up because it is hilarious. <laughs> <laughs> I'm making a note. <laughs> but but all of these things, um, regardless of of what the output that Gen AI is making, um, it's it's using large patterns or patterns of data. Uh, from these large data sets to basically generate this thing and make it seem like human. So it's taking these things that humans have done and saying, well, if humans do this, then this is what what a human will look like when they do this. Um, (laughs) Right? (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. It just, it doesn't look too closely at the hands from what I've seen for most AI generated images. Yeah, yeah. A few extra fingers uh, never hurt anybody. <laughs> but again, depending upon the, uh, the the data set of the art that it's starting from, maybe it had hands with six fingers. I'm not a great artist, and that's how I would draw hands. <laughs> uh, but it takes all that data, and it, and it generates um, new data, whatever type of data that is with similar characteristics. Um for for our purposes today, we're going to really be talking about two types of Gen AI. Um, first is um, Gen AI that that generates images, uh, which we've kind of uh, um, talked about briefly there a second ago, and then uh, Gen AI that generates text output. And I bo- think both of those can be used in your in your DM game. So I, I think it it 
warrants us to talk about both of those. Um, before no, we continue, I, I agree. Yeah. Uh, before we continue, let's Danielle. Why don't you get us kicked off and talking about some things that we should maybe know before getting into Gen AI? Well, I've spent a little bit of time on the internet here and there, um, <laughs> like Facebook, <laughs> Facebook, Facebook groups, and the more you see AI kind of coming into the limelight, people started sharing uh, more and more stuff that was generated by AI to various groups, and it it caused like a bit of a backlash because there are some potential ethical concerns uh, when it comes to AI. You had mentioned before about AI using a data set, right? Yep. yep. Whereas <clears throat> our, like in my human brain, right? I do have one, I promise. And uh, <laughs> Daniel, I've got all this information. Surprise, Danielle's been an, an AI co-host this whole time. <laughs> <laughs> I'm finally coming um, out as a computer i don't know um <laughs> anyways uh yep uh so we're talking yeah. about the large so you... data models right <laughs> <laughs> sorry i just totally threw you off track there this is what happens completely. when you throw was, things in as as it doesn't expect gone. <laughs> i know i froze up there's a glitch in the process um but yeah so you have all of these uh these large data models now my brain i've got all like the creativity and my life experience filtered through me but ai just kind of grabs everything that everybody else has put out there into the world it doesn't actually have its own thing it just sifts through everybody else's stuff figures out statistically what's most likely or most usable in that situation and just piles that in which can be handy in some senses but when you're looking at um say image generation that that's all based off of art that other people have put on the internet which uh they might not necessarily have given permission to be used and i've seen some instances where like very specific pieces of somebody else's art has been put into an ai generated art model and that's i can definitely see how that's that's just not cool yeah, I, I saw one where where some uh, a, a portion of an artist's signature was actually included in the output from the Gen AI model. Uh, Gen AI model. So it was very clear that their artwork had been included in 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 the uh, the data set, which, if they had given permission, may may not a problem. But uh, if if this artist is, is if this artist is someone who makes money from their art. Then using it in uh, in a in a tool that people could potentially subscribe to because some of these tools have like a free level, but then a an additional pay for level. Uh, you're basically making money off of this work that somebody was hoping to make money off of that they created as an original piece of art, and it, it's there's just all sorts of weirdness that comes into play there. So I would say really be careful with how you're going to use some of the specifically the artwork and 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 understand that that there are people who created stuff that this is based on. Yeah, I don't I I know that there's a lot of pushback in the art community mm-hmm. like as far as um pictures and things, but I haven't seen that much pushback in like text community, but that be, that being said, I'm not I'm not part of a bunch of writing groups on the internet. I haven't seen so it either, it but I think that um, from a text perspective, there's a lot more sources that um, 
truly are public domain, truly have rights that are not associated with them that that could be used for something like this. I mean, if you think about all of the all of the literature that is now uh, in the public domain, sure you you may be you may be aging stuff a little bit, but but that's an excellent starting point to to have it have it uh, get started and and doesn't really infringe on on any anyone's rights. You're basically using what anybody could could go out and, and use for free. Uh, that's that's fair. But then they're they're uh, presumably they're also using more modern sources, which um, uh, you could you could see being being uh, problematic. But I would I would also say that with the amount of text that that uh, you could ingest compared to the amount of um, image data, just from the size of the data, that seeing a a characteristic uh, style from text versus image is a little is going to be a little bit harder to recognize i think so that may be part of why it's it's not getting as much pushback it's just because it's harder to recognize that my stuff's being used that's fair there's not a lot of writers who include catchphrases like the same one in every novel Mm -hmm. yeah i don't i don't think anyways well, and even if there are, if you're again, if your data set's large enough, the chances of that happening more than more than once or twice gets gets smaller. So, um, yeah, that's true. So it could like, hey, that's just coincidence that I use that word in that way. <laughs> <laughs> so the other thing I think to keep in mind is that uh, as much as we would like it to be, AI is not a mind reader. Well, I, I I don't know that I would like it to be that way. I, I I wouldn't. Let me take that back before anybody takes this mm-hmm. as a as a marching order. I do not want it that way. I don't want one AI reading my <laughs> mind. Um, that that's all going to say that, like how you ask the questions, how you prompt the AI to do the stuff that you want it to do, needs to be very specific. It needs to be tweaked. It it it's not just going to be like I want you to I want you to give me a picture of a of a of an orc, and it's going to give you what you want. Or I I want you to give me a a a, a paragraph about um, a location. It's it's not going to know what you want. You do have to be kind of specific, and and even when you're specific, you may have to to um, respond and have it have it change the output too. Yeah, you. It's very much a, a work with it sort of scenario. And and to that that kind of tweaking it, a lot of the text based um, generative AI stuff will. Um, have the sense of context so that if you ask a question and it gives you a response and then you then you want to change what that response is, you can say, well, I want it like this instead. It understands that when you do that, it's referring to the last question. Um, a lot of the, depending upon the, the, the tool that you're using, uh, it could have a, a fairly small context set where it's like only going back so far in the conversation. Uh, or if you're doing like a paid version of some of these, it can have a very large context set and and allow you to have a lot of uh, tweaking just by by question statements, stuff like that. Mm-hmm. It it when you have that that backlog um, of conversation, especially like w- working with a D and D game, um, that can actually be super helpful. Yeah. So it's it's. Kind of uh, know your tool, know what it's capable of, because again, sometimes that context is going to be short because it it takes memory and processing and stuff like that in order to make the context work. So if you're using a free version, they're probably not going to give you a whole lot. <laughs> um, but 
just understanding how it works so that as you're going through it, you don't like get into this really long conversation that you're hoping to leverage into something and then find out that it's forgotten what was said 20 messages ago. Oh, yeah, that would be disappointing. Yep. So let's get into the two main types, uh, image generation, text generation. We'll talk about what some of the tools are. We'll talk about how maybe we might use them and uh, and any sort of like high-level guidance that we might have for that. Um, so let's start with image generation. And um, I will uh, I'll talk about the first one because I think the first one is, is probably the image generation tool that a lot of people got started with and probably still mm-hmm. use, and that's Midjourney. Um, it, uh, you interact with it via Discord. You go and, and basically chat with the bot and give it the prompts, and it, it generates the stuff. Um, the stuff that you generate on that is publicly facing, so when you generate an image, everybody, that, everybody can see it if they want to. Um, they did, for a very brief period of time, have an app, and I think it was out for a week, and then they took it out, <laughs> took it away. <laughs> um, um, so have you used uh, Midjourney much? I have gone onto their Discord okay. about eight times, and every single time it returns the result of "We're too busy, go away." <laughs> so, yeah, that is the thing so, is if you're if you're using the free version, you're kind of at the whim of of whatever processing power they're going to give you. Um, they do have a they do have a paid for subscription. I want to say it's ten dollars a month, but don't quote me on that. Uh, but it gives you a little bit more attention, a little bit more control, a little bit more um, ability to use it other places if you really wanted to go that route. And we'll talk about that some of that later. But yeah, the thing is, is if you're using a lot of these tools for free, you're you're dealing with whatever resources they give you and 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 everyone else. So uh, don't expect to have instant response on these things. Yeah, and if if you're banking on Midjourney. Um... You should probably stop. <laughs> it's probably not going to be available. It's very popular now. And so all of their processing power is going to their paid memberships. Yep. Which I don't blame them, right? Gotta 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 feed the feed the robots. Um feed the beast. I have uh the the one the image generation tool that I use is uh, is an app called Wonder. Mm-hmm. I've used that some. Um yeah, yeah. I bought I bought the lifetime subscription. Um, which did not transfer when I got my new phone. So oh, that's lovely. a bit disappointing. Yeah. I am in talks, but, uh, <laughs> as far like it's, uh, I found it to be an okay app. It's good for some things. It's not good for other things. It's really great if I need something relatively generic mm-hmm. and I just want it for flavor or it's good for NPCs. Great for, great for that. Um, as long as you don't need it to be super specific, but I tried to get it to do some like specific landscapes like I, I wanted this picture of just a tree with a hole in it mm-hmm. and it kept putting a tree in a hole <laughs> and so I, ch- I changed the text to like a bunch of different variants and and i just could not get this tree out of the hole and and so i kind of just gave up on that and sketched my own <laughs> <laughs> um yeah, I used I used Wonder for a little bit. I don't remember what caused me to stop using it, but but I, I generated a couple of images with it, and I I think I had kind of the same impression. It was okay. It was not super uh, impressive, and uh, and uh, but the the nice thing about it was is there is a there is an app so you can install it on your phone and muck around with it whenever uh, whenever you are killing time somewhere stuff like that. Hmm. 
Um, another tool, and this is one that I don't have familiarity with. I did a, I did kind of a search of tools, like top-rated tools for art generation. One called Doll E2. Uh, I've I had not heard of it before the list, but since it was on several lists that I, I looked at, I did want to include it on here. Unfortunately, I can't give a lot of context. I'm not sure if you've had any had any exposure to it, Danielle. I have not. I think the only other image generator that I've used is something called GenCraft. Okay. Um, but that's that's about it. I I I have found such little success with the with the art generators. That it makes me sad. I'm too cheap to buy a Mid Journey subscription, <laughs> and and then I just sketch a picture instead. <laughs> so so one of the one of the tools um, that I actually have found kind of interesting. I haven't used it a ton, but I've played with it and seen what what the results are. Is uh, is Mirror? Uh, I think it's also Mirror.ai. They also have an app, but it it, it takes a different approach. It's not um, it's not creating art from scratch using their model. I, I, I add in using their model because it's technically not from scratch either. But, but what Mirror does is basically you provide it an image that you want it to transform. So it's, it's, um, it's transforming an image that you create and putting um, artistic style on it and, and cleaning it up in some cases. And it does actually a really pretty good job. And what I've, what I've seen some people do this is like the 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 free roulette thing i think is is they'll take <laughs> they'll take a uh, a hero forge account uh which you can get for free and you can design your mini and put colors on it and stuff like that and they'll export that image and then they'll import that image into mirror and use mirror to base, basically make an artistic rendering of the mini that they built in hero forge um it's a little crazy, and and frankly, I think it's a a good amount of work to be so cheap. But <laughs> but but <laughs> it, but if that's like if that's your thing, then then hey, by all means. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that would probably get you like a relatively accurate rendition of kind of what your mind sees as your character. Yeah, because you're you're building the mini to be what you see it as, and and maybe just the tools are not. Um, where you'd like them to be to be as as high quality, um, and and mirror can kind of do that transform for you. And I, I've seen some people post their images, and it it does, like I said, it does a, a pretty good job. So um, the only things that I've really done is like I took photos of of uh, of famous people and ran it through just because I thought it would be interesting to to see. So it, like I took Dave Grohl from the Foo Fighters and ran, ran it through there. <laughs> I'm going to I'm going to sketch a picture of a tree with a hole in it and see what it does. <laughs> um so let's talk about as a DM what we can use this image image generation tool for and uh, and Danielle I'm going to have you kick us off again. Well, my favorite thing to use it for is NPC portraits. Mm-hmm. Um mostly because you need so many of them. I I personally find for myself that uh, I feel like it adds a lot of flavor to the game when I have like unique portraits for all of my NPCs. But when my characters are running amok in town, they can engage with like 20 NPCs in a night and half of them you never expected them to go talk to. They're, you know, and it's like, I want to go talk to the candelier. It's like, I didn't prep a candelier, right? 
And uh, all, all I, I think when I hear chandelier is like somebody that carries a bunch of candles and a and an ammo belt across their chest, and it just makes me laugh. <laughs> See, that's that's exactly what I meant, though. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. I don't know. I could be saying the word wrong, but uh, a ca- a candler. I have no idea. Yeah, that's I'm okay. Just... Um, I'm just like my PCs do that, and uh, I I like to be able to like throw up a picture. It helps me connect with the character. And uh, I think that in turn, that helps me convey that character to them. Plus, a lot of times when I just look at a, just a general NPC portrait, um, I make inferences about who that person is. And, and that can help me um, generate more flavorful NPCs. Yep. I, I like to use it for, um, for scene images. And I don't do this a ton because there's a, there's a couple of ways that I've done this. Uh, but... I've I've had a couple of very specific use cases that were only going to be used for one scene, and once it was done, it was it was it was gone. And so I, I like I prompted, hey, I, I need a flooded hallway with a lit chandelier hanging above, um, and I think I prompted a couple other things, and it took a couple of a couple of retries, but but I got something. I was like, oh, this is perfect for for the scene, and and it was a this thing laden with traps and stuff like that so it was a nice way to to show the party um what was what they were seeing before they got into the hallway and they could they could then kind of interrogate well what's this over here and stuff like that and so it was kind of handy to 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 set that scene for uh, for something like that as far as uh, the scene generation the the most success i've had using an ai generator for art with that is uh I had come up with this ancient tribe of half hippopotamus, half half mermaid people. It was all for a joke. Don't worry about it. But but there was like a bunch of uh, carvings and stuff on their temple walls um, under the ocean. And I was like, I need carvings like to represent this. And I could have just described it, but I wanted to see what AI kind of did with it. And it returned me a bunch of hilariously amazing um, ancient carved walls with half hippo half mermaid people in them <laughs> and uh no it's great because then i was like and this is what you see carved on the wall and obviously then my party kind of got to got to see that and kind of experience it a little bit more closely to what i was picturing in my head which was nice yeah and and the fact that like you could provide that and it and it gave you something that was somewhere close to what you were thinking it's kind of cool Have you ever finished running a session of your favorite role-playing game and thought to yourself, I'm not really sure I ran that the right way? Or maybe you just tried out something new in your game and it worked really well and you want everybody to know about it. If so, you may have the perfect idea for a future episode of Becoming DM. Point your browser to becomingdm.com ideas and fill out our simple form to tell us all about it. You can even let us know that you'd like to be a a guest co-host for the topic. Submitting your ideas helps John and Danielle relieve pressure on their brains so they can record more episodes. Go to becomingdm.com slash ideas today to submit your episode idea. Now let's get back to the show. Let's talk. Let's move on. We're, I think we've spent enough time on the image generators. Let's move on and talk a little bit about text generation and and what Gen AI can do for us there. Um, 
Now, I know we listed a bunch of tools uh, for images. I think primarily when I've seen people talk about text generation, it's been structured around ChatGPT. Um, there's, there are a number of other tools and a no, number of other chat platforms that have added in some layer of AI to them. Um, a lot of them are actually using ChatGPT on the back end, um, but I'm not as familiar with them. So I'm going to focus on ChatGPT because it, it kind of, I think, got a lot of the text generation conversation started and where mm -hmm. where a lot of the direction is is being driven from. Yeah. The only the only other one that I will shout out, not because I think it's better than ChatGPT, but just because it's I have an easier time accessing it mm -hmm. is my AI on Snapchat. I don't know if you if you do Snapchat. I don't, but that's one of the ones I've heard of and I was really surprised that that <laughs> that, that was one people yeah. were using. <laughs> yeah, it's it's uh it kind of just showed up in my phone one day. And uh, <clears throat> sometimes when I'm bored at work, I'll just start messaging it my like D and D ideas, and we'll just have like this little back and forth. And uh, I don't know, I kind of like it. I, and I, I think I think I may have seen that WhatsApp, but I could have been gotten get, get, getting it mixed up with Snapchat. I I I know that there are several tools out there that are leveraging um, ChatGPT on the back end, so um, or or have their own tool builds out. Uh, so varying levels of success, depending on what you, what you use. Uh, I think before we go on to talk too much about it, we should let you know that in order to, in order to use chat GPT, uh, just point your browser to chat.openai.com. Uh, there will be a, a login. You can create one or you can use your Google, Facebook, I think even Apple login credentials uh, to, to create an account there. And once you do it, basically it takes you to a, a screen that allows you to type in your type in your question, your query, uh, whatever whatever you want to do there. So pretty pretty mm -hmm. simple to get started. And I have used it from uh, my mobile browser. Uh, it seems to work just fine. It's a little bit different because it's squeezing it into the smaller screen, but uh, but it works just fine when I've when I've used it there. No, that's fair. So let's talk about ways that uh, that we've used um, used uh, used text gen AI uh, to help us out with our with our DMing stuff and um, developing room descriptions is one. I, I feel like um, room descriptions for those areas that I don't necessarily care as much about because. If if it is something that's really highly important to my campaign, I'll, I'm going to write the room description just because it's it's going to have things that are very specific that I need to convey about that room. But if if this is the third bar that night that, that the players are going to, <laughs> and they're like, "Well, tell us about it," I I'm not going to I'm I'm done. I, <laughs> hey, Chat GBC, tell me about this bar. Um, the uh, the uh, the the one thing I will say about that is that it can be kind of verbose. You can you can tweak it by saying I only want to use this many words, and it will it will shorten it down. But you do have to be specific about about wanting it to be a shorter uh, shorter command or shorter output. Yeah the 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 word count is what I found to be most helpful. I've tried uh, asking for like a set amount of sentences, but it appears to completely ignore that command every time <laughs> i provide it it's i'm like i need three sentences and it's like 18 paragraphs question mark and uh but but usually when i give it a word count it doesn't actually stick completely to that word count but at least it shortens things down oh yeah um 
I, I but was, you're right. When you ask it for something short, it's it does. That's not something it understands. <laughs> yeah, I I I took I did, took one from like five paragraphs of information to it was a paragraph when I said, "Hey, I only want this in fifty words." So that was that was kind of nice. <laughs> <laughs> Um, so are you using that room description in, in, in a different way than I am or are pretty much lined up there? That's pretty much what I, what I use it for. Um, for the most part, like you said, when it's a room that isn't critical to what's happening, sometimes, sometimes if a room is critical, but I, I really want a really strong description of it. Cause I know that sometimes my descriptions aren't as, I'm not good at like cryptic. I'm not good at like scary, mm-hmm. right? And uh so I've used AI to assist me with that. So I'm like I need I need this description and I'll give it like my description. So I give it a lot of data. I'm like the room is this big and that big and there's 14 candles and all this stuff, but I'm like now make it scary. And it comes back and it it usually makes it much better than what I started with. Interesting. Yeah, I hadn't thought about doing that, but that's a that's a good idea. One of my one of my probably favorite uses of the of the text gen AI stuff is creating stat blocks for NPCs because as as you said before, when you have players that are going around and talking and maybe getting in fights with um, everyone that they can possibly see, you may suddenly need to have an understanding of what the stats <laughs> stats of this um, <laughs> this particular NPC is because. You just got into a fight with them. Well, crap. Um, now what? <laughs> I didn't expect yeah, that. I didn't prep for this. <laughs> so um, you can do things like, like, hey, give me a stat block for a level five rogue for D&D 5e. And it, it, it's pretty thorough. It gives you all the stats and the bonuses and a nice little layout. It tells you what all the abilities are, as well as like if it, what, what weapons it gave the, the NPC and what the bonuses to hit and damage and stuff like that are um uh tells you about the class class abilities just tons and tons of information for this thing that that would have taken me easily easily 15 20 minutes to to put together on my own um probably more than that with that level of detail honestly yeah when uh i've used it before for generating npc stat blocks it works really good it's super fast it's super efficient and I remember the first couple that I did, I just typed it in and it produced this stat block and I quickly skimmed it over and I was like, oh, that's so amazing. This is going to be so helpful. But then not long after that, I actually <laughs> read through it line by line by line. Now, I generated mine for 3.5 mm-hmm. just because I'm more familiar with it. And uh, and when I actually read it line by line, it's not it's not balanced. It doesn't actually build them completely correctly. It builds them close enough for Dave, the the candle guy, right? <laughs> that's that's fine. But you don't want to just have a new player roll in and be like, oh, you you just do this to make your character and type it into uh, chat GPT or something, and it just gives them a level four dwarven barbarian. Uh, the stats and things might be slightly off, off enough that it might break something, but great for NPCs. Yeah, I, I don't know that I would ever use it for generating a character that I'm playing or having a player in my game generate their character. Um, I, I personally, I, I prefer the, the personal touch to those kinds of things. But I also, um, as you said, 
something may not be quite right. As an NPC, it has a lot less impact, and I can I can I can accommodate for those broken brokennesses if it's not lined up exactly. Um, but just being able to see the the thing that I did see that that looked like it was fairly spot on were the the class abilities by that it added by level. Um, which really helped me uh, me be like, okay, these are the things that they could use if they get into a fight or, or whatever. Um, so, yeah, with all of this, I will say, with any of this that we're talking about, your mileage is going to vary. And, and depending upon how important it is to your game, you're going to want to spend a fair amount of time after getting this information back to verify that if it, that it actually is what you need for your game. Yes, absolutely. Give that give that puppy a quick read through because you don't know if it if it gave your level one commoner a vorpal blade for some reason. I'm good with that. <laughs> I'm sure the commoner's good with it too. <laughs> it's like, oh, this party's gonna be easy. <laughs> uh, so the other thing, one of the other ways is. Um, Generating starter storylines, I will say this is probably my least favorite use of of uh, gen, gen AI, uh, and and that's simply because most of the things that I've seen, whether it's me generating and tweaking or other people posting on on forums, like "Hey, look at this cool thing that I did with with the the AI DMing me," um, it, it often really leans into tropes and and just things that you would expect to see out of um out of any like generic fantasy book (laughs) quite yeah now that doesn't mean that it always has to be there you can do some pretty hefty tweaking to 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 um to get out of the tropes and i think danielle you have you have an example about uh a tickle forest or or something like that (laughs) Um, I don't, I, I just, I was trying to get it to, uh, to give me a result, but I ended up retyping it in and and getting it to change, um, I don't know, like 10 or 15 times and it get, it got more creative the more I pushed it and the more I like crunched away its options. And yeah, the end result is what I think is actually going to be a great little adventure that I'm going (laughs) to write up for like children ages five to 10. But it's all about ticklish trees sending people to fetch the goblet of giggle water from the cavern of silly serpents. That's not mine. That's AI. But that's I think that's good. <laughs> I mean, maybe not good for your average table of like adults. Um, but I do. <laughs> I mean, that's way off the beaten path. I don't think that that necessarily fits in with with the tropes necessarily. Um, by comparison. Without doing a whole lot of tweaking, I was just kind of curious as, as to how generic the quests would be if I just said, hey, I need I need quests for a level one party. And what it gave me was Goblin Trouble. The local town has been played by played by a goblin tribe that has taken up residence in a nearby ruin and the characters are, at, are tasked to clear them out. Um, Lost Heirloom, a noble family seeks the help of the adventurers to retrieve a stolen heirloom from a bandit hideout. Uh, trouble in the woods, a nearby forest is rumored to be infested with dangerous creatures. The characters are hired to investigate and deal with the threat, which turns out to be 
a territorial group of displacer beasts. Now that that displacer beast part, maybe not quite as tropey, but like all of the setups for those are you could you could find probably thirty different published adventures that have some form of <laughs> form of those in there. Oh, you definitely could. Um, you can you can kind of sidestep that relatively easy by just throwing in one or two words for it to go off of. Yep. So, um, like, I didn't I didn't actually put in anything about ticklish trees or silly serpents to get my result. <laughs> <laughs> but if you're if you're trying to do something like that and trying to keep it away from tropes, you can say, "Give me a level one adventure involving cheese and catapults." Uh, for a D&D adventuring party and then see what it comes up with because it's probably not going to fall into a trope and if it does you can you still might have to tweak it yeah plus it's always worth tweaking it afterwards you're you're going to end up tweaking it no matter what happens so worst case scenario every time it says goblins and, and you don't want bandits um, you can just go in and as you copy paste it just replace that all with I don't know pigeons whatever you want the, the pigeon outpost that's that's attacking the, <laughs> the city. I like it. <laughs> um, moving on from from kind of the the story, the, the you can also have it do like long lists of pretty much generate everything. Uh, I I there there's a number of things that that Danielle you've you've written in here. I think that that uh, these are all great from. Maybe you need a bunch of objects that are going to be hidden in goblin pockets. Um, that's a that's an awesome way to do it. And I've seen I've seen people who have who have like put an effort to create their list, but they're only like fifteen or twenty. But if you wanted a hundred, then you've got a hundred, <laughs> right? Yeah, it's it's really good for those bulk tasks that uh, that just take an unnecessary amount of brain power to do accurately. Um, like the next example that I had was if if somebody I you always have this I don't know about you guys but I always have this one druid or ranger <laughs> who's climbing around in mountainous terrain. I was like, um, so over the past three days, like what kind of wildflowers have I seen? And you're like, I don't know, blue ones. But with chat, like with with AI chat gen, um, you can just type in, I need 18 different types of wildflowers that grow in mountainous terrains, and boom, you'll just have a list, and you can list them all off to your player and be like, ha, huh, now what do you do? <laughs> <Because> you know, <laughs> what are you going to do with that, huh? <laughs> yeah, didn't expect that answer, but then, then they're just going to be like, well, which ones can I put together? And it actually, that could snowball pretty badly, but it is an option. Yeah, I, I was using it the other day because I stupidly put in some treasure chests on a map that that I hadn't really planned on how I was going to deal with and of course the 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 players found them and said what's in the treasure chests <laughs> and <laughs> instead of throwing a mimic at them <laughs> I was like well hey I need to find out so I I I put like well things you'd find in a treasure chest in a bandit hideout uh and and obviously it has the the standards the the gold the silver and stuff like that but it also had other things that were kind of just like day-to-day life items that you might find there as well which i thought was interesting i love i love that that's my favorite just adding day-to-day life items it's like you found four used socks um you know two gumdrops and you know a sword of bane and uh i i like the flavor in there um something that i usually use or that i really like to use um the generator for is uh, like I like to make custom monsters, right? Mm-hmm. 
I get these I get these harebrained ideas and I don't want to go through the book and find something that relates to it most of the time, especially since it's such a harebrained idea. And I found it to be extremely helpful to just ask the AI and I'll tell it like, um, I want this to be a CR 12 or whatever. It's in this kind of landscape. It looks like this. It, it kind of does this. These are some of the abilities it sort of has. Uh, can you make me a balanced for this game monster? And as it tries its best. Nothing it produces is ever going to be actually balanced to the game. But um, it can really give you some sort of bones to start putting meat on. Yep. Yep. Um, and I think the last thing we have here around that is the prophecies, poetry, songs, stuff like that, 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 um, adds a lot of flavor to your game. In some cases, if we're talking about prophecies, it could have an, have a, a significant impact. And again, as we've said before, the more significant it is your game, the more time you want to spend tweaking the model as well as, um, as well as um, tweaking the output on your own once it's once it's generated, but it's a I suck at writing poetry, uh, but but like if I wanted to have poetry in the in the game, it's a great way to do that. Like you found this this love poem from from Grundle to to Orca or mm-hmm. whatever. <laughs> <laughs> another another fun one um, if you want to kind of mess with people is uh, sometimes when. Like I've only actually done this once, but I had uh, I had this children's song because you know all of our like most of our kids' songs like the older ones "Ring Around the Rosy" they're actually like based in in not great stuff, mm-hmm. um, and that's kind of how people used to kind of like teach their kids and keep it on their minds is by turning really not great things into fun little songs for them to sing. And uh, my party had walked into town and all these children were were running around and they were singing this song. And when the party like was like, hey, that's what? What's that? And they tried to talk with the children, but the children, obviously, stranger danger, they ran away. And uh, but it gave this this really nice little flavor piece. And Mm -hmm. uh, and most importantly, I didn't have to actually write the children's song because the text generator did it for me. Can you tell it to like I want it to be to the to the rhythm of Ring Around the Rosie? Will it do that? I'm pretty sure you can. I just because uh, that's the way you can I, also get really creepy. <laughs> oh, you can. You definitely can. <laughs> um. All right. So so let's let's maybe move on from from the text tools and. Talk about like, is there actually any value to this stuff? And like, like anything, I think it really depends on how you're going to use it. Um, there, there's a number of ways I think that we've talked about that, that are handy, but like to kind of sum it up, um, that large block data is super helpful. I find because you don't have to generate this list of, of things, but it can, again, create that more immersive experience that, that, Oh yeah, this is something that the goblin might be carrying in its pocket, stuff like that. Mm-hmm. And anytime that, uh, like for me, especially like you said with the large block data, anytime I can take, I don't know, I guess pressure off in one area, that kind of frees up my creativity in a more important area, and so it kind of allows me to focus more on 
something that's really important and crucial to the campaign rather than wasting a bunch of time, you know, writing up my 16th tavern description. <laughs> yeah, I think a lot of those, um, especially in, in my mind, especially the repetitive low value tasks where, where yes, you're going to have to describe this place when they get there, but it really has very little bearing on the game. Yeah, let's have the AI do it. As long as we don't have five taverns that happen to look exactly the same, which is pretty unlikely, um, mm-hmm. then then we should be fine. So I, I think that for for me, that's that's the big value is the the um, low value but still important to the game tasks. Yeah, um, plus it can reduce your prep time. Yep, which. That's always a win. And if you're using it during gameplay, um, you can uh, kind of streamline gameplay. Like I said earlier with my rangers always asking me what kind of flowers they're walking past. Um, in that way, it can kind of streamline gameplay because I'm not, I don't have to stop and actively think about it or just answer thistle for the 18th time. <laughs> and and you can also use it for those, those, hey, what's this person's name? And, and very quickly type in, I need a name for a, for a half elf barmaid in a sleazy tavern, <laughs> and it, it kind will of limits how many. Yeah, it, it'll come back fairly quickly. Um, you 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 do. I mean, how how much you put in there is going to be be. You're going to have some limits based on the time because you're doing this ad hoc when somebody's asking what the name is. So you don't want to be like, I'm writing up a paragraph to figure out what the name is. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, um, yeah, I forgot the other thing I was going to say, but the the thing that I like, because you said it kind of, um, as far as the value of it, I think, uh, for me personally, the most valuable part about chat AI, um, and actually technically for this specific point would be my Snapchat AI is something, it's a quote, I have no idea where it's from and it might not actually be a quote, but, um, creativity, uh, you can't be creative in a void or something like that. Mm-hmm. And so <clears throat> I, if you ever just sit in a blank room and you're trying to come up with, with creative ideas, you can, I find for myself that uh, I kind of stifle out relatively quickly. I mean, I might get some good ideas, but it takes long and, and nothing is really like, ooh, super, super jumps out at you. That's why like when I'm trying to be creative, I'll like go for a walk or... I don't know, play with my dogs or do something that gets more brain juices kind of flowing. And I find that the chat AI, like I said, especially Snapchat, because I can just message it on the fly, is uh, it it provides a wall that I can kind of bounce against. It's Even almost like a, it's a stimulus for your creativity. It's it's not your it, you're it you're using is. it to almost provide you prompts that then you can build upon with your own creative flow. It's kind of like, I, I don't know, this could just be me, but have you ever been talking to a friend about a and d idea and you don't really like any of the ideas that they come up with? You're like, oh, I'm going to do, you know, goblins in a cave. And they're like, oh, how about rock doves and pigeons? And you're like, uh, <laughs> and, you, and you don't you're like really your idea. You're really on the pigeons today. I just want to point know, that out. I know. <laughs> I just, it's a pigeon kind of day. I a lot of time with pigeons today. And, uh. But as much as what they're saying, you're not going to adapt that into your campaign, what they say kind of 
points your brain in a different direction and yeah, it makes you think about that, things differently. Yeah, and so and that's the that's the creativity not being in a void because you have other things there, you have other things to bounce off against, and that's my favorite part about the AI is because um, you don't need to have somebody who's willing to talk to you for like a hundred thousand hours about your D and D ideas to have a really good bounce pad. So let's maybe talk about where we don't see the value. And what, the thing that I'll start with is something that I, I know a lot of people don't necessarily plan to do, but I think it's still worth pointing out. If you plan to, if you plan to publish anything that you're writing, whether it's an adventure or, or it's artwork that you're using for a comp- campaign that you're writing or whatever, uh, I would I would avoid using um, using Gen AI um, because even though there are there are pricing plans that you can subscribe to to use things commercially, most of the things that I've seen they are not copyrightable. So um, you could use it in your thing and then have somebody be like, "Oh, I like that image. I'm going to use it in my thing that I'm going to publish over here." And then there's the whole confusion thing. So if you are really looking to publish something. Write it yourself. Uh, if you are not an artist, you need art. Pay for that artist to to do the art for your for your project. Um, uh, what else? What else do you do you see is not not value? Well, you do end up with a lot of repeated text if you're not careful. Mm-hmm. Um, like if you just type in "give me a tavern," "give me a tavern" in a bunch of separate um, sets, you'll start you'll start seeing the repeated text very quickly. Um, so you have to try to put in a little bit of input. You can't, otherwise it'll, it'll just start repeating itself. And ultimately that's a lack of its legitimate creativity. It doesn't have legitimate creativity. All it's doing is pulling from bulk sources, trying to put its best foot forward on whatever word seems most to make sense next, which that sentence didn't, but... <laughs> uh, <laughs> Yeah, the AI, AI could have probably written that sentence better. <laughs> yeah, probably. <laughs> um, the other thing that I think is a little bit troublesome, and this is actually, I, ca- I caught myself in this um, when it first came out, because I got really excited about it, um, is uh, it's easy, right? And the less that you're actually practicing your own creative skills, like you're, it's it's a creative muscle, right? And yep. when you don't use it, you lose it. And uh, if you start to rely too heavily on AI-generated anything, um, you'll start to lose your own ability to to kind of come up with this stuff. If you start using it for literally everything, your creative muscles are going to get weaker. And that's that's kind of a bit of a dangerous game when it comes to being a DM, especially a long-term DM. Absolutely. And... And then the the the, the last thing the, the the last thing reason why not to use it 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 is difficult sometimes to get success and success could be having the thing that you're looking for written out in text it's frequently having the image be what you want it to be with the right number of fingers we keep on making this joke <laughs> because AI has problems with the number of fingers on human hands it just happens <laughs> yep. Um, um, but, but getting to those results, it is work. So it's, it's not, it's not very, it's not just simple. You plug th- something in your go. It, it does require a thought process on your part. And that's why 
we've we've been kind of tying into this. You you still have to be creative. You still want to make sure that you're not just relying upon the the tool because you still have to be creative. Um, even to use the tool, you have to have some sort of level of creativity on on how you're going to present and ask those things of the AI. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you you definitely need to to be keen on your input. Yep. Um, so I think that was all we had. Anything else you wanted to talk about, Danielle? I think I think I only want to add one last thing. I know we've talked yeah. a lot about the creative aspects of ChatGPT. I just want to throw a shout out for uh, for the non-creative aspect. Just just to put it in people's mind, it's actually really good at doing non-creative tasks, mm-hmm. which there aren't many involved in DMing. But uh, try it out sometime. If you're not sure where to get started and you're writing a story or you're prepping for a session, just ask it. Ask it, say, I need to prep for a session. What are, what are the things I need to do in order to get ready for the session? It'll populate you a list and you can just follow that list and it'll help you with your workflow. It's kind of like if, a supercharged search it. engine. Basically, it, yeah, it'll find out its recommendations from all these sites and then rewrite it in a way that's easily understandable and, and present it to you that way. It's it's just it's a supercharged search engine in that case, which is it does its job well. I'm not doing that as a slide or anything. Mm-hmm. But uh, yeah, I think that was my last note. Just just to put it out there. Awesome. Well, um, thanks for joining us again. I hope that if you decide to use AI tools to help in your DMing, that uh, this has been helpful. And uh, good luck, and we'll see you in a couple weeks. <laughs> Until then, stay, stay nerdy, nerdy, friends. friends. Thanks for joining us again. If you haven't already, please take a moment to like and subscribe to Becoming DM on your favorite podcast platform. You can also check out Becoming DM at becomingdm.com or on Twitter, Instagram, and Pinterest. We are Becoming DM. The show is produced by John Welsh and Danielle Tremblay and edited by John Welsh. Thanks again. We will see you in two weeks.